Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. So and welcome to a new episode of Filmmaker Talks. Today, my guest is Joshua Martins. He's also a filmmaker uh, from the US. And yeah, just for you as a notice, because uh, that will be also available as a podcast. So if you are watching it right now on YouTube, I will link uh, the podcast down below. Or if you're hearing it at the moment and you feel like you want to see our <laughs> smiling faces, uh, the YouTube link is also uh, down below. Joshua, how are you? I'm good. It's uh, early morning. I would say it's 10 a.m. here, but I'm doing well. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah. So um, am I right that you're um, living in the bigger area of Chicago? Is it right? Or Indianapolis, something like that? So I live in South Bend, Indiana. So that's kind of in between Indianapolis and Chicago. If It's two hours difference either way. But um, yeah, I'm in a small little city quiet town it's quite nice <laughs> i don't like the hustle or bustle of the city sometimes but yeah yeah okay yeah i actually wanted to talk to you about uh your filmmaking career um how was it for you did you went to or did you go to film school or did you just uh, learn it by yourself or how was it for you Yeah. Um, well, my journey was an interesting one. I have a background in photography. That's where I started. Um, I was self-taught early on high school. And then when I did go to college, I wanted to find out photography for my bachelor's degree. Um, midway of that, they, they had introduced, my university introduced um, documentary filmmaking. And I was super interested in it because it was a whole new medium, a whole new way of uh, understanding visual arts. So I took all the classes I could. I took cinematography one and two, directing one and two, post-production, and I was just in love because it was such, it was so much more dynamic than photography, in my opinion. I love photography. That's the base of everything that we do visually, uh, but moving pictures and having the whole production and understanding, all of that was just mind-blowing. So my, my beginnings started a little bit later than most people, I guess you can say. Well, maybe, maybe not, but... Um, Yeah, I, I took courses for filmmaking. It was documentary of filmmaking at the time. So right out of college, I um, I was on my first job filming a documentary for my church. That was over about three months, and we were traveling all out west, so California, Nevada, um, Utah, um, Montana, South Dakota. Like We were all over the place on the west, which was fantastic to get that first experience hands-on. And then after that, my journey has been a mix of um, higher education, Meaning I've been working for different universities um, in their uh, media marketing team. So I did, um, uh, I was working for admissions at the University of Miami. I was a production uh, production manager. And then um, from there, I moved to South Bend, Indiana, where my wife and I are now. And I was doing media uh, for the University of Notre Dame for communications. Um, and in between that, I was still building up my career on the side with experimental projects, short form docs, promo stuff, you know, the whole gamut that we all kind of do to get our bearings right early on. And um, and that's where I kind of am today. Today's going to be today is well. And now today I'm 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 in the world of content creation. So <clears throat> I, I work for a moment. I'm part of the content creation team. So I'm one of their faces and personalities on the YouTube channel. But I do a, we do a whole lot of other things behind the scenes just to keep the business going and then um, uh, continue to create visual assets and things like that. And then 
uh, Josh Martin Studios, um, my partner and I, we both run that. And we've done um, uh, large to small budget films, large to small budget projects. And right now we're in a transition somewhat of um, I'm kind of remarketing myself to be more of uh, a first AC. I love I love doing DP work, don't get me wrong, but I feel like my bread and butter and where I'm most efficient at too is building the, the camera department and building a, a, a workflow that's, uh, that's seamless, that's efficient, that works for the DP and director. Um, I love problem solving on set. I've been doing that for a long time. So um, I can see I always, I always tend to build up my rig uh, and I'm always doing something to just kind of grow myself and learn myself, point focus, whatever have you. So I'm in that in between stage. I'm obviously doing both cinematography, but I would love to do more uh, first AC work too. That was a long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. But uh, I think I've um, already heard that because you mentioned it one time in like an IGTV talk or something like that. I, I think I saw it on your Instagram. Yeah, but uh, very interesting because, uh, yeah, that whole rigging stuff can be quite demanding uh, depending on the setup. So uh, you said like you have uh, you're running the studio together with your partner. And how was it? Um, how were you able like to to do like your first film like in terms of funding did you fund it by yourself or did you have like any people that helped you with that or how was the whole process of that yeah so cody has is his name he is the uh, uh strategic um, brains behind finding new clients and just um the management side of of uh, josh martin studios and i'm the visual side so i, I lead the you know the directing and, and things like that. And most of the time it's a small crew that we work with. So the max is probably about five people at most, but, uh, and we're you know hiring other people to help out or asking people to help out. But, um, so last year we had two projects that were, one was pro bono and the other one was uh, a $10,000 budget. Um, that was probably the largest one we had in recent years um, since starting in 2018. So $2,000 budget is small, but it was big for us because we don't really, we're not, we're, we're in a place where we don't have to like grind as much as most people to do freelance work because we have nine to five jobs. We kind of balance that out that way. Uh, so we can kind of pick and choose what we want and we landed on this job. So um, for that, for that doc, it looks, it looked more like, The director came with a director came to us because he was commissioned to do this project. He had he said, "Hey, this is the budget we're looking for. Here's the scope of the project." We looked it over, drafted up a contract. It was Cody handles the contracts too. We will both go over, but he'll kind of formulate that. Um, we create our, our terms and conditions and things like that, and then we kind of just move move on from there and start shooting on the production day. It's very it's a very simple process because most of the time we don't have to deal with a lot of. Um, Uh, loops and and boundaries most people have to do but in the end sometimes the end product doesn't always pan out unfortunately the documentary is being on hold right now because there's some changes they want to make so i don't know if they're going to rehire me to shoot anything else uh it was good on our end but um the higher ups want to change something else but anyway so that's how that goes and then for projects that i want to explore and just kind of test some a few things i work with a uh, a dance company here a contemporary dance company And uh, we have uh, we had a very ambitious project, which took uh, both projects, by the way, took over six, seven months to, to create. This one was um, filming a, uh, a nonlinear experimental film 
um, based on a loose concept of what the dancers were wanting to speak about. So that was more of, on my end, I took more control in that. Oops, I got notifications popping in. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, that was more of my direction to kind of keep things on task and, and kind of run. So, I, you know, wearing, being a, a smaller production company, you wear a lot of hats. So I was I was the DP, I was the producer, I was I was the uh, a cinematographer at First AC, all those things. I did have some assistance here and there, but um, that's how we kind of went about it. So that's how jobs typically go uh, with us. Uh, we just finished up another project from a company locally here. Um, that went a little bit more seamless as well. So uh, we kind of keep it um, pretty compact and tight and tidy. So when you're talking about like uh, documentary film work, how is your um, approach? Because I think or that's the feedback that I always get from people that are just starting out in filmmaking that they uh, don't have a clue how, yeah, how I gonna tell my story, like how uh, does it come together for you uh, when you have like the idea how do you approach it visually how do i re approach it um i think there's what's the beauty about documentary and just filmmaking in general there's really no like traditional way of approaching things you kind of, i mean there is there is some yeah there is some but like other ways it's like there's no, um, there's no blueprint. There's some necessary things you need to get done. So for me, like for the documentary, um, so for instance, I, I, I do want to make um, a documentary for myself this year, and I'm, and I'm going to be kind of funding it or, and, and kind of running it myself. So how I would approach it is, one, what's the story I'm interested in? And then um, in just basic form, can I write out the story or can I just record myself telling the story? And then can I get a better sense of how I can guide that um, uh, that interest for me um, to create a film, and and that and the the time doesn't really matter at that point. You just want to just make sure you have something that's interesting to you first. Then you can find the necessary parties to kind of join you to help bring that vision, or you can do it all on yourself. So um, <laughs> that's my daughter. I don't know if you heard that. My daughter's in the background knocking. Uh, she hears our voice. Um, so that's how I kind of see it and, and from my perspective, because if there's no extra parties outside outside of yourself, then you can kind of really take full control of what that story is and your interests about it. And then if there is parties involved and money involved, like bigger budgets involved, um, there is a process. You, you will work with a producer, you will work with a director and uh, sometimes a rep from whatever the company is. They have a general they have a, a scope and vision. And uh, from there, you just do a lot of pre-production. So you guys all be on the same page, understand what the what the uh, what the stories, what the necessary people and voices have to be in it. So you do all of that on the on the beginning side. So it really depends on um, the scale that you're working at. And you can do this, and and, and you don't need to wait to get them get a job that has the money. If you want to, like you were saying earlier, if you're just starting out, just find a story that's interesting to you, and then. Um, uh, plan to shoot that story what are the care who are the characters how do you make it flow and if you need help always reach out to filmmakers like us because we're more than happy to to help you out <laughs> or talk it through <laughs> uh right uh yeah very interesting to hear because everybody is different right so uh, for me basically it is the way that uh because i'm doing mostly like uh commercial work and stuff and when i 
like come up with a concept for a commercial uh, i'm like per the type of person unless i have a specific idea in mind or a spe specific shot that i want to pull off or that i think that fits the product and then i can build the story around it but most out of the time i'm just like i need to find the music and then when i hear the music and the pace and everything then the uh, images start to pull off in my head and that's uh, i don't know that's the way how it works for me i have found some other filmmakers that they they say that's like the same but uh yeah that's very interesting to hear how everybody is like different in that approach yeah i do take the music approach when i have something that's smaller bite size that i can kind of visualize from beginning to end very quickly and i do just like listen to jump on epidemic sound and music bit or just something or music i just like i'm like man i like this feel, i like this feel i like this tone then i can actually build out all the visuals from there and other times i had to do it straight from a script straight from a pre-interview oh that's one thing i didn't mention too i do do pre-interviews as well so if i have a character or a person in mind that's for the story that's going to carry the story i have i sit down with them interview them like i'm doing with you right now and then just get a sense of it so from there i'll make a transcript and from that transcript i'll start building out what the story is so that's another way to do it yeah very interesting so you also i imagine you also do that like because i've never read now i've shot a documentary but not in the sense like you do because here in germany it's a little bit different like in the us <laughs> um yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah i think you're gonna do that to chat with the people to also get a sense of who is your character and maybe how is he acting in front of the camera and what is to yeah to how to say to get warm with the people right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah building building somewhat of a, a repertoire or, or a relationship on camera is going to greatly help you direct um, the questions help you direct the the feel the, the story make them i mean and some directors have their own like every director has a philosophy some people have that cold approach they want to get the hard facts you know reporter type style other people want to get to know the person and and really connect with their story so uh yeah there's a lot of different things to, a lot of different ways to approach it okay um so you said like you're working for moment uh, i'm not sure are they, aren't they based in uh, california or something like that they're based in seattle washington our headquarters is based in seattle washington but majority of us are remote actually um there's a couple of us here in the east coast i'm more central than most people and then the rest of everyone are like california arizona washington they're kind of like all we're all kind of spread all over the place <laughs> yeah this is it's, it's neat though i've never been a completely remote job before so it has its pitfalls and it has its uh successes for sure you are also a zcam owner <laughs> i am a proud zcam owner <laughs> me too uh what was your um or what was your kind of um let's say stages that you worked with different cameras that you worked with in the past and why you decided on um taking on or uh yeah using using like a z-cam right because for many people i always get asked myself why you're shooting on a z-cam um so my camera journey is a wild one i guess my first video camera i've ever used was a canon t1i that was when they had their you know their first rebel series part, part of the first rebel series and i shot a lot of short form content with my my sister and myself so that was the start of everything really 
Um, jumping ahead, I, ha I got my hands on a C100 back in college. I did a lot of projects with that, so I understand the Canon system. Then from there, I went to um, the uh, Sony FS7, and I was an operator for seven, actually now more like set, yeah, seven years, yeah, uh, with the Sony FS7. Um, seven years, how old was that camera? I came out in 2014, I used it up to 20, so about six years, yeah, 2020. Um, and then in between that, I've shot with Red, the Red Raven, uh, Red Gemini, um, uh, the Aryan Miras. Um, and then personally, I, I like to, <clears throat> I like to own my cameras. So I've owned a GH5. Um, I had a GH4 at the time too. And then from there I got the Blackmagic Pocket. That was a really, uh, I really liked that experience with the Blackmagic Pocket, understanding raw workflow. Um, and it's funny, the raw workflow is, it's like working with raw with photography, raw images in that sense. Right. So, but you know, understanding the exposure index and all those things, that was a really great introduction for, I guess, a quote unquote cinema camera, even though it was that DSLR style body. And so, <laughs> um, so moving on from there, I, that's when I was really interested, getting interested in the Z cam. And what I like to do is when I own a camera, I tend to not look at any other new camera for about a year so I can really understand and dive into the system because I mean you know we all I won't say we all but um, I know a lot of people have that itch to always see what's next see what's new but they never get take the time to understand their system and that's what we're you know paid to do we're under we're paid to understand a system we can't just buy something and then like immediately want something else when we haven't even learned the first camera we bought that's my, kind of like my philosophy behind it. Even though I do talk about gear a lot, I only talk about the things I actually use. So um, so when I so I first was introduced to Z-Cam because I know Andrew from SLR Magic and he was kind of like my connection to, to Kinson. And you're in the Facebook group too, right? Yeah, that group is, that group is great, but wild at the same time. It, it, can be a, it can be a madness. But um, <laughs> uh, I met Kinson in person, and at the time I was using the Blackmagic Pocket, and so he he was trying to convince me that you know this is the better system, and rightly so. That's his job. He's he's push he's pushing his camera brand basically. But I got to test out the F8 and the F6 um, in 2020 of no 2019 of November, and um, I actually enjoyed that workflow. I was I was super new to it. I loved the form factor of Z Cam, so it took me another eight months or so to kind of be like, okay, I'm gonna just make that move. I'm gonna move from the Blackmagic Pocket because the Pocket in a sense was a bit limiting in terms of future proofing. I wanted to be able to have interchangeable mounts or use different lenses on the same system without buying a, a metal bones. I didn't like using the metal bones or some just optical things that didn't settle with me. So uh, fast forward, I bought the S6 um, summer of last year. And so now it's, oh yeah, summer of last year. And so I've thoroughly enjoyed using this camera. Um, this, the 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 image to me is it's like a it's like a scientific image, sort of like red, meaning like it can it can get really accurate color re representation at times if you know if you're shooting it correctly. Um, but it's, it it leans to like that film emulating sensor like an ARI is so there's sometimes it, it retranslate what greens are what blues are uh, to make it more of a filmic look and I kind of like that in between because you could kind of go both ways in a sense and um, so I'm still kind of nailing down what my pr 
process of color grading it right now right now you're looking at a rec 709 sensor uh, color from there and i think that's good out of the box too a little bit of tweaks and you're you're pretty good to go but um using z log and understanding the exposure and all that stuff it's it can be it's a it's a very powerful camera how much um, recovery you have in the highlights um, and then recently i picked up the f6 and that's this guy back here i use both these cameras like on sorry on the docs and projects of last year i used nothing but the z cam s6 this year we shot our moment um film festival announcement video with these two cameras um that was a really great um chance to get both these systems going at the same time most of the time i had the s6 on a gimbal ready just to go and then the a camera the f6 was just really already rigged up and i just need to just change out lenses and that man having two cameras and that workflow it's just so much easier <laughs> yeah and you are a you're a, a f6 owner and a, and a komodo owner right too yeah, kind of a little bit crazy because I was also using like the Blackmagic Pocket and I basically love the camera and the workflow and, and everything. Um, but then I decided to uh, get the red Komodo because I'm uh, I, most of the time I'm working with agencies and uh, when they ask something like for they want to have the footage or something like that or also here like you know like the red marketing system everybody who's not really like in the film industry kind of knows red so that that was why i always got like um questions from um the agencies can we shoot it on red and so i thought that maybe would it would be a great invest to buy the red komodo and then then i was sitting with my black magic pocket and then i was like thinking hey uh, actually, I need um, a second camera that would be much more versatile when I'm shooting like smaller gigs for something. And for me, the camera has to do everything. So it has to be great in low light. It has to have a great image. And for that specific reason, I don't need really raw because I have it in my, in my Komodo. And I thought like, uh, because I have tested the Z-Cam for like two weeks and I really enjoyed it actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, maybe why not just getting uh, the F6 because I have already uh, tons of um, full frame lenses because I've always shot on full frame cameras. And I thought, and I really enjoyed the form factor because most of the time when I'm doing some gigs, I'm just, by myself maybe having a sound guy and maybe like a director or something like that and i'm carrying the camera all day on the easy rig and that that setup was kind of heavy on the um let's say it was unnecessary heavy on the black magic pocket because of the form factor and the battery solution that i really like for me that was the the, the thing that pushed me around that you can power this camera with a simple npf battery and it's running all day long and also like yeah dynamic range i knew it, it was great and everything and also i think the colors are better than on the pocket but i think it's mostly due to the fact that the pocket has a problem uh, with ir pollution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so always even when i was using it uh, I, I kind of had like the, the the kind of reddish tone in these skin tones or something and it was always kind of Mm -hmm. 
So I, I was really uh, surprised basically how great the ZCam is and I, I really love what they did with the form factor that I can use it as I want to and that you have also the benefits of because when you want to have high quality then you use ProRes or if you want to you can even use RAW or if you just have a really small gig you can shoot H.265 um, and it's still editable at least on my system so and I think that was really great uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you in that sense is um, because I, I also have a friend he is an owner of the S6 and he's always asking me uh, he finds the image of the F6 not as filmic as the S6 um, I'm not sure because I've never really shot with the S6 but I think the Pocket 6K and the S6, they share the same sensor, right? Yeah, and I've... Mm -hmm. And I found that the image of the Pocket, it always looked really organic and filmic. Um, but I haven't done any specific test on that right now. But I think I'm really pleased with the image. So that maybe what I wanted to ask you, how do you think in a direct um, comparison, what are the differences image wise to be honest like it i didn't find a difference um they you know they claim to have one extra stop of dynamic range from the f6 and you know that's all you know that's all marketing and for the most part i think they're pretty equal what wins the f6 is in low likes so of the biggest bigger sensor um but uh i mean if you what's great about using the same system either super 35 or the full frame you can ma you can match these so easily like I, like I haven't done a test right out the gate like what is the rex 9 looks like compared to this i have a lot of footage and i can actually go sit and look at it because um i didn't do the editing for the video for the moment thing but i mean i shot all we shot all of it on these cameras um but all that being said like i uh I have all the confidence that you know you can you can obviously make these cameras matches really well and then it all depends on your process because like right now i like to use film convert um and there's this n another yeah it's a it's a great little tool and you know once you finesse it and get it down you can make it really look uh, really good aesthetically and um one um another company called dehance yeah have you seen them before um i have a trial and i haven't used a trial yet but that seems really i like i like their philosophy and method on applying like film grain and stuff so i really want to dive into that but um like i was saying earlier like you can go a kind of either way with this camera you can make it look super scientific and accurate or you can go the other way which is uh, a benefit so i haven't done direct tests yet but yeah that's a good question yeah i i personally really like both systems and i also like that both have like these cube size form factor. I really enjoy uh, shooting with them. So I'm, I think I'm really happy. Um, and I think yeah, the, the cameras are great. And I think uh, they have really moved things forward in the industry because now I'm not sure, but I think Zcam was maybe one of the first one that came out with this cube size form factor. And now everybody is uh, wanting to have that. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's it's. Well, I mean, Black Magic did it a while ago. They had their micro, their, you remember their micro, and then there's some other form, the other cube, almost like a, it was like a, it was a rounded cube. <laughs> what was it? The, this the production thing. I remember that. But um, I want to ask you um, 
I want to go back a little bit because you had mentioned, I actually talked about this a little bit in one of my last vlogs. Um, you mentioned how agencies want the red, you know, want the red versus any other camera. And, um, and you know, you won't really fight that. So no, use the Z cam instead. No, you won't do that. But I find that interesting because it is difficult for a third party camera manufacturer like Z cam for to to have that awareness from other clients to be like yeah you can totally shoot in your z cam um versus like what's the standard the standard is sony can sony canon and red and ari right and uh, i just find it interesting do you ever do you ever see yourself bring this on possibly to a a, a hiring job without like i guess the client knowing or does it or is the conversation always like what camera package are you going to bring so here in in germany so personally when i'm working with like a client so like a company and they hire me to shoot like um corporate video or something like that whatever the case may be right uh, all they really gonna care is like they want they hire me because they want to have a great video great image and uh I, they never asked me even if i showed up with my back in the day with my Canon 1DX or Canon EOS R or now with the Z cam, they basically don't care. But when I kind of leveled up and got more into like the high paying projects and bigger clients and they always, um, they always communicate with you or they always hire like an agency to do like their work for them, right? And uh, these agencies are very kind of I don't know, I don't know really marketing driven kind of stuff and they all they all know like red and they for them is red is like an um like a standard yeah a standard for quality and obviously they want to deliver the same quality to other clients and that's why they always tend to ask what are you shooting on and even I truly believe, and I think that everybody knows that even if you own a red, it doesn't make you any better filmmaker. Um, but it's kind of like, a, that's why I did that. <laughs> um, also, I, mm -hmm, I also, but I think I really have to say, I really like uh, the image um, out of the, the Komodo. Um, I think from the cameras I've shot with, it's the best image that I got. It has, um, I don't know how to, I've never shot with an Ari, even though I'm a German, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but um, I think the image has like, uh, I don't know, it's like it has some texture in it. It, it really looks filmic, I think. and. I really like the workflow when you're filming like in Red Raw, you can just change the gamma in post-production to uh, Rec 709 with a soft highlight roll-off and it, it looks amazing. So the workflow that they have is really nice and um, yeah, that always like was kind of for me uh, when they came up with the Komodo, I knew, okay, it's a great form factor. I can use my CFAST cards, which I have plenty of them. <laughs> and uh, I don't have to use like uh, red proprietary stuff. And uh, so, f yes, exactly. The only thing that I think for me, um, I think I kind of, when I'm using like day-to-day -day jobs, I kind of use the Zcam more because it's 
easier and for me it's it's like you know when i'm on a shooting and i don't know what's gonna happen i prefer to use the z cam because i know uh within seconds it, i can turn it on and start shooting and that's not always the case on reds especially yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of that's kind of really annoying but um i can i the only thing i can say is that the image kind of speaks for itself um so they've done a great job on that and i i really love that uh different companies are kind of pushing the boundaries and uh yeah I think that's even better for us as a creator that we have so many great choices right now. Options, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy how many options we have within the sub ten thousand dollar category, and it's just like and people get, you know, I'm sure you get this question a lot. What camera should I get, or what are your thoughts on this? I'm like, just pick a sensor because anything, any sensor now is more than capable. Like. When you're trying to nitpick like oh how's the low light or how's this that's really nitpicking nowadays because my philosophy is you're not gonna be shooting in the dark if anything get if anything get the a7s3 that thing shoots in the dark basically so <laughs> um um but yeah you have to weigh your you, you have to weigh what's your budget what can you actually afford and then kind of go from there um i was going to mention uh oh crap Oh, well, I was going to say I do. I am looking forward to the next the third generation of the Z cam and my and I'm hoping that they build a more production ready camera like these cameras are great. Um, these micro cinema cameras, these crash cam cinema cameras, and these is like more built for like live streams, small setups like this. I just had this on a little tripod and then just that in one battery. It's so simple, this camera. Um, but if I can get a production ready camera, meaning I have SDI in and out ports built in, I have the Wi-Fi G, uh, I have um, um, a built in either like either can or can like can affinity is one camera brand I've been looking at for a while too. And they're, they're, uh, they're uh, Mavo edge. I love that design. It's like, it's just an airy, it's like an airy design concept, a, an airy mini um, concept. But that concept really works because again you can build it out just like how we build out these cameras um but having a little bit more io ports built in sdis built in v mount plate or gold mount plate um uh probably maybe hopefully like an internal nd system i know they have that electrical nd system but i heard it's a little bit cumbersome to uh, to use and like you know change settings unless you have like the controller for what's that handle the revolver handle or the yeah, so like there's some work, like there's a lot of workarounds you can do with the Z cam. I just, I found a workflow that works for me. I just kind of just stay to that. Um, but it would be nice to see a bigger camera in the future, like slightly bigger, like a little bit bigger with a little bit more ports and things that are ready. Um, I just got the um, the uh, EVF. Yeah, and I've been needing an EVF because um, that's why I, like if I don't, if I don't need to have a monitor, I'd rather just be looking at myself and it's easy to just kind of and it keeps the rig a little bit lighter yeah i think uh my question is always when i get asked i think you can you can uh if you have a decent camera you can you can achieve a great look even out of a dslr or something like that as long as you know what you're doing and especially that's why i also totally agree that i don't like renting cameras because if you 
really know how your camera works and you know the limitations of your camera you can yeah you can create great imagery the only thing that when you step up your game to like a cinema camera is for like reasons for your client like in, in my case or it's just more easy for your workflow because you have better codecs you have more dynamic range it makes life a little bit easier i think <laughs> the end of the day yeah um so uh, what is your uh editing system of choice do you work in resolve or what do you use <laughs> <laughs> i love i love using resolve but last year when i was in between computers i, I had the 20 i had a 2018 imac and when I got the Z cam and I was trying to edit the Z cam footage in DaVinci Resolve 16 at the time, it was such a pain. It was so slow. It couldn't keep up. Even with the 4K, my, and my computer was kind of maxed out, but it wasn't like up to date. So once I, I made a switch midway of a project because I needed a better workflow and I switched back to using Final Cut Pro. And that made things a lot more easier because it's optimized. It has the internal decoding and all that stuff. So everything, everything kind of works seamlessly in the background. So since then, I haven't gone back to DaVinci Resolve or any other uh, editing platform because now I have, I have the newer 2020 iMac. And that thing is pretty, pretty much a beast for the value that, that you can get it. And I spec that out. And so I'm sitting here like, man, I want to go back to DaVinci 17 because there's some really nice features that I really want to get into it. But I'm so stuck in the workflow for Final Cut Pro that I'm, it's just so much easier. And I've gotten plugins to make things a little bit more easier too. Because that's what Final Cut Pro you really need is plugins to get things like as good. I'm sorry. Well, get your editing workflow as good as the other competitors that have it already built in. And that's what's nice. And luckily, I already have the license for DaVinci Resolve, so I can just switch anytime. And I think the next, the newer projects that I'm going to do, I'm going to switch back so I can get back into that system. Because um, what what I miss is being able to gradually grade and finesse my footage. Final Cut Pro is too. There's not a, there's not a lot of finessing to it. It's kind of like slider, 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 and there's not much. Yeah, there's not much control. So that's the, that's the kind of like the little compromise I'm making right now for efficiency. Like it's so fast, it's so easy to use 6K footage in OpenGate on a, on Final Cut Pro on my, on my iMac. So easy. So um, I just gotta find the right project to switch back over and and work in there. So yeah, that's my story. What about you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not because I'm using uh, Resolve and I kind of switched like in the beginning of 2019 because Premiere always kept crashing on me. <laughs> yeah, and I think I really like Premiere and I think it's a great NLE, but I was thinking like, hey, just try out DaVinci Resolve and I was um, starting with the free version. And then I just used it for a month and then I said, yeah, it's great. So I bought it. And ever since then, I never really looked back and I'm using my, before I was using a Windows machine and it was even the performance wise was much, much better on, um, on my, on Resolve. And then I switched to the 2019 iMac, which is maxed out and I never really had an issue with any footage that I had to edit uh, only like the from my Canon R6 which I tend to use from time to time that 
H.265 in 4K, it's uh, it's it's not possible. <laughs> but uh, as long as I'm shooting in in ProRes, also the H.265 on the Zcam is look yeah, it, it works totally fine. Uh, and yeah, I personally really also enjoy like the the finesse that you can do in grading because everything is node based and not layer based anymore. That makes such more much more sense. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, kind of getting used to uh, use like Fusion because like, uh, you know, in the when I'm working with clients, I always have to do like lower thirds animations and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and not not yet. <laughs> I'm kind of learning. Uh, I always tend to go back for that in After Effects because I was using it all the time in After Effects and it was more time efficient for me. But I kind of already started and I want to do like uh, some title packs that I can create for me as a macro and then I can um, always like redefine it for certain projects. Um, I think that will work great. Um, yeah, but I think I really like, I also like Premiere, but it's something different if you have everything baked into one system like audio, um, and it's even though the dynamic link system in uh, in Premiere kind of works great, uh, I much more prefer like uh, Resolve also for stability and overall. It even works fairly smoothly. I have here my 2015 MacBook Pro, which is not great by any means, but with with Resolve it gets the job done pretty great. So. Absolutely. It's um I feel like DaVinci Resolve is a is an, a happy medium between the other two NLEs. And what I I just forgot when they introduced the cut page on DaVinci Resolve. I think if I utilize that, that can become my Final Cut Pro speed edit type thing. When it when it was introduced, I didn't even think about how I can utilize that, but like now thinking about it, that was that was the purpose. Fast turnaround, um editing and that's what i and since i make more youtube videos than anything now that's what i kind of want to have so I'm, yeah i need to this year i'm going to go kind of go back into that and see um how that works um for my workflow so uh i was going to mention i personally never used uh the cut page to be honest <laughs> yeah no yeah i didn't use it when they introduced it but i'm like oh but that's what that's what they that's why they made it um but I wanted like my goal, my goal of end of last year was to try to be certified to be uh, either Final Pro or DaVinci. The process is kind of hefty for DaVinci Resolve for actually for both. So I got to take, uh, I don't know if you looked at it, but you got to take a few courses and then go um, for Blackmagic. You had to physically go. Well, now nowadays, I think that's might be different because of COVID. Actually, I need to look that up. That might change. I might be able to do all online now, but I want to be certified. I think having having i just want to be able to know the system in and out um because i do it on my own time you know we just kind of just like oh how do we do this oh how do we do that we kind of look it up but i want to be like oh i'm certified in this editing platform or this edit yeah i don't know why. i've always wanted to have that as a goal <laughs> so because you, since you mentioned it how did COVID change your overall uh workflow or your kind of your your work as a whole yeah um 
just like everyone when it started to kind of roll out and things were just canceling left and right i lost so many so many freelance projects i had like four or five lined up I had a big one too we had this uh the ncaa is uh the national uh college association and i had a few gigs for them all that got canceled because of the tournament got canceled so it was it was an adjustment um i wasn't like panicking i wasn't in panicking mode because i still had i was still working at Notre dame but um just uh, uh the conversation now of like comfort levels and safety that became the first thing we always talked about whenever project we had coming up and so that's been kind of like ingrained in my workflow now it's like uh and there's some you know some legal things too i've, I've heard some filmmakers had to make documents on um you know, if if you do become sick on this thing, you have to have certain waivers and all that stuff. So I haven't gotten to that deep. But I always have the conversation of safety. What does that look like? Um, but I was actually blessed in the situation where I could move between jobs. Um, that's why I moved from Notre Dame to Moment. Um, that was a huge blessing because I wasn't sure how long I would be at, at Notre Dame just because of how things might go. And since I was fairly young on the team, I, I had a feeling I will probably be the first one to go anyway. So let me just look at my options <laughs> uh, just to play it safe. I had, I had a family, so I was like, well, I need to make sure I have something ready. And then the moment job came out of uh, just pure curiosity and just streaming, on, just scrolling on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? I should just do it. Let's just, let's just do it. I've always liked moment and I think I can make it work. And next, you know, I'm here. So, yeah, so COVID was more of just like COVID forced me to really um, become uh, more intentional with um, my finances, with my career, because at the time it's kind of like, you know, I kind of go with the motion. It's like, no, let me just be a little bit more intentional with whatever I'm doing. Uh, so like family, finance and career, those are those things really tightened up because of covid and um it's weird to say that but like i'm glad that happened because i needed to grow a lot i needed to grow a lot between now and then and i think i have yeah i think it kind of uh forced every party to to move differently and also in my case a lot of jobs have been cancelled uh which i was really stoked to do um and they haven't continued since now and i've i really uh, for me at least right now because i'm mostly working with companies and i'm doing like this um yeah like uh commercial works stuff it's not affecting that as a whole but for some other colleagues or other filmmakers that are only focused on like event stuff for them it's really hard because there there's nothing to do um but i was but i'm i'm really glad that i did because uh my also my my dad he used to be um, um like he was an entrepreneur or something yeah it is the word in english so he has his own business uh and he teached me back when i was young how to how to manage your money and i was uh, kind of smart smart enough to to invest uh, not having sitting it on a bank account so in, in investing it in something like etfs and even some bitcoins i know that's a lot of risk in there but it turned out to be that, that it was a great um, option and also i had look i looked like what i can do differently more what I, how can i transform my business into be more digital than it was before 
so that really helped um so yeah but even though still it's a hard time and uh <laughs> i still hope that uh, the gym is gonna be it's like closed for almost like uh, several months <laughs> yeah yeah that's true uh and i was really uh really glad that uh the the barber shop opened again or no what uh, the hair cutter it's called yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so it's it's yeah <laughs> yeah it's really uh different times but i think it it just especially here in germany it moved the kind of society uh, forward to be more digital. Also, how everything went in schools and they had to uh, find so many different times because they were barely using the Internet. Uh, it seems like stupid, but it was the way. And I especially because I'm originally from Berlin and now I'm living in the area close to Munich, but it's the smallest city. And whenever I was working here with clients and um, yeah, for them video was like, um, yeah, maybe it's useful, but they haven't, they haven't figured out uh, why it is useful for their business, right? Because um, yeah, because uh, everything comes here in Germany, it is like everything, what's a trend comes from the US and it takes a little while to uh, get things running here um but yeah i think uh it's uh hopefully things only can get better i think and so uh, at least everybody is healthy then everything is fine <laughs> um but yeah um but uh what are your plans for uh 2021 do you have any specific plans that you want to do or be besides from being a certified uh resolve trainer <laughs> <laughs> uh for sure like i i i have i want to continue making more long form content so um i have a few docs in mind that i want to kind of tackle and another like small series i really want to kind of sharpen my skills a bit more um and then just try to get on sets uh sets that um i can be first ac i've talked to a few produ other production companies to um kind of pitch myself um so that's been that's been an interesting thing to do pitching yourself as the first ac and so far it's been a well it's been a welcome um thing because you know productions are starting to kind of ramp up here in the east coast i guess you can say and um they are looking for like freelancers i need to update my website that's a goal this year for sure <laughs> that thing is so dusty it's so dusty right now and um just kind of represent rebrand myself because right now i use you know instagram and social media to really keep things update but people still find my i always get emails hey i have this project and i'm like wow you're looking at my work from like four years ago so um so that's another goal but yeah i just want to i just want to keep you know keep making stuff um and just have just a overall better balance. Um, my wife and I are expecting another, uh, our second child this year. So that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, um, it's been a joy being a dad. And I, I want to definitely do that more, obviously, because I'm a stay-at-home dad. And that's been a, a fantastic um, experience in itself. Um, so I just got to just find a better balance because I don't want things to kind of fall through the cracks or just get burnt out. And I've done that before. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, what would be uh, your ultimate advice that you would give to other filmmakers that are just starting out? Uh, if you only had to pick one, what would it be? Something I've learned from, my, from myself recently is don't hesitate to get something started. And I say that because I've, I've looked at my life and the times where I reached out to a company or decided to make a film, like I just, I just didn't think, I didn't second guess myself. I just went ahead and do it and just expect to say, well, if there's a no, then just pivot. If there's a yes, just kind of go with it. And I say that because a lot, I know a lot of people are, are hesitant to get something started. And at this point, it's like, what do, what do you have to lose? <laughs> you might not have the knowledge, sure, but like, how else would you gain the knowledge? You have to kind of put yourself in that situation to kind of start learning. And, I, and I'm talking to those who like to have everything kind of perfect, kind of prepared. Yes, there's a place in the, place and time for everything for that. But other times, if it's, if that's keeping you from actually making something or trying something different or uh, or yeah, just anything like that, then you need to just kind of break out of that and just go do it. And this sounds like a weird plug right now, but like we just launched our our moment film festival and that's you literally use your phone to make a film and you have no excuse now for having a high end camera or a camera that looks like that. You can use your phone, create a story and submit it like that's the easiest way to kind of for any contest, for anything that you want to try to become or shoot or film like that's your chance now you can win money you can win prizes so i just had to throw that in there we have our our film festival that's why i say just don't just don't hesitate to start something new and or just just go do it literally just go start doing stuff <laughs> yeah actually yeah I, I i kind of have the same because i was also uh two to three years ago i was working for a company and i was not i was doing like videography as a side hustle but it always was my passion and I was thinking like, oh, should I do it? And now looking back, I can clearly, if I wouldn't have taken the decision to just do it, then I think I wouldn't have become to the place where I'm at right now because you only grow with the challenges that you put yourself into. Yeah, and that, yeah, that really helped me. So don't um, just, yeah, as you just said, just do it and try to to make the best out of it. I think uh, that's... Mm -hmm. You have to embrace mistakes. You have to embrace things you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the more you do the things, yeah, the better. Yeah, and actually, if you reach out to and you don't have any clients or anybody who wants to hire you, uh, you have to reach out and uh, the the worst thing that they're gonna say is no but there are plenty of so many other options that you can do and eventually anybody will say yeah let's do something great together and um, from there you kind of work up your way I guess <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly exactly yeah Joshua it was really great uh, talking with you chatting with you um yeah um i think it was really um great to hear your thoughts on filmmaking and how the industry is changing and also camera industry and all that kind of stuff yeah it was really really great uh thanks for uh taking the time really appreciate that well thanks for having me this was this was fun i'm glad you reached out <laughs> i'm a i'm a consumer of your content so i look forward to what you put out yeah, I'm thinking. I still thinking like I have such a, such a small 
um, community because I just started like half a year ago with starting like uh, doing it finally in English. Um, but yeah, kind of, I think, um, yeah, kind of want to keep growing and whenever uh, I can travel again and I will be in the US, then uh, we definitely have to keep in touch. <laughs> link up yeah let's do it you got my instagram so we can chat <laughs> so yeah as i've said uh, thank you very much and yeah stay safe and hopefully um chat with you again soon absolutely <laughs> thanks bye bye <laughs>